there, this is Adrienne Lopez, the Integrative Awareness Coach, and I'd like to welcome you to episode 53 of the Lifting the Veil podcast. This week, this uh, episode is entitled Healing Crisis, and I was inspired to create this message based on what's happening out in the world today and um, on a more personal level as well. So, um, when I look out in the world, and when I say out in the world, I mean through the way that many people are connected today, social media, um, and then of course the wider media, the images that are being projected, the messages that are being expressed. They all appear to be coming from a state of what's called in traditional homeopathy, a healing crisis. And the healing crisis actually is part of um, getting well. So it's where all the dis-ease rises from an organism to the surface, in this case our bodies and in the wider sense in our social structures, our social connections, um, in order to be cleared and released so that a more healthy version of ourselves can arise, a sense of wholeness can be revealed and perhaps we can discover a greater sense of our own natural state of being. And Perhaps um, many of us have discovered more than ever that well-being and health is in the process of being redefined, or I should say rediscovered at the core for what it truly is, which of course includes the body, but also uh, is not separate from our mental and emotional health. So in nature, in nature, I should say, it's, uh, health is related to balance and anything unlike itself must fall away. Anything that divides us from our own true nature is a level of dis-ease or disharmony, the self divided within the self. And all organisms attempt to find balance or harmony. That is the very definition of health. But we've been trying to be whole with only half of the ingredients. And they're not even included in the recipe because the recipe we have was created by a certain perspective. Uh, And this perspective reveals the contradictions it has produced in the level of collective trauma. And in case you didn't know, there is a a World Summit happening this month. I think it begins September the 19th on healing collective trauma with experts from all over the world. And I wanna invite you to attend, it's free, and it's a 10-day summit. I'll include the link here into this podcast in case you're interested. But really, 
um, collective trauma is just a reflection of individual trauma which causes the mind to short circuit or to um, constantly try to adapt in a state of survival and the state of survival of course is the fight fight the fight flight or freeze mode which cuts off part of our brain our prefrontal cortex our ability to synthesize information and to problem solve to think rationally and so literally um, when the mind is in the state it can't follow a complete circuit um, when it's disconnected from the fullness of the mechanism of the nervous system and so when the brain is functioning at that level its greatest creation is a product of the survival brain namely what we call the ego and it has an inability to recognize its own dysfunction and when I say dysfunction its inability to acknowledge that it exists in a larger context and it justifies its existence and place of reference as it's destroying its own body or planet in this case nature and environmental balance necessary for life because it's blinded unable to see its embodied context part of its survival mechanism so in this way it's unable to observe its own role as a prisoner and thinking that it's the master or the prison keeper or that's even a concept of a way to live so when I am trying to keep things separate when I'm trying to keep myself protected there's a level of uh, stress that would border on misery that's become a norm it's just become a way of life to where it's like a fish in water it's unrecognizable and in my state of misery um, it helps me to have someone that's more miserable right like uh, my whipping boy or somebody that um, is more restricted or more confined than even I am and if I can see that if I can make a slave or a prisoner even more miserable than I am it, it just becomes my just compensation I'm never quite realizing that there's I'm caught in a death spiral because of uh, other people aren't free I'm not free But the ego can't even conceive of this because it lives in a, a constant battle of, of survival. And this particular um, manifestation that's occurring across our planet right now 
um, and showing up as a, a virus and a vaccination, a medicine that's injected into the body. Um, reminds me of one of my favorite books um, by Mary Shelley, Frankenstein. Maybe you've read it or seen um, one of the multiple films that's been made from it. But um, as you may know, it tells about a monster that a mad scientist creates and that he has to abandon in horror. But this monster ends up becoming his demise because he can't actually escape it. So Mary Shelley wrote her novel, also subtitled The Modern Prometheus, when she was 19, and it was published in 1818. Uh, on one level, as a treatise of the disempowerment of the feminine, the feminine aspect of creation, the feminine aspect of society and that has been relegated to the, the female gender. Although I'm a true believer that we all possess both energies, the feminine and the masculine, whether, whether we have a female, female body or a male body. Um, but it's the rejection of that we can't accept in ourselves that gets pushed outside of us and then becomes our nemesis in a way. So uh, as well as being a reflection on the masculine, feminine and the imbalance um, that was represented in, in her society it was also a reflection and commentary on science as well as slavery and any sort of suppression. And the use of science to justify um, that imbalance of power. So, the way I read the story is that when science is not grounded in health, the true health or integrity of humanity, it's not in service of humanity, and it becomes unanchored and often dangerous. But Mary Shelley, as a daughter of philosophers, she was well aware of the power of the word to create the world through ideology and dogma historically handed down from the figure of the priest to the philosopher and then what she was observing to the to the scientist which excluded oftentimes the actual physical role women played in the world as the givers of life giving life through the feminine as an energy as well as a female body. And ironically, when the book was first published, she was not able to put her name on it as the author. It was published as anonymous for, uh, at that time, it wasn't really acceptable or it might have appeared strange or unnatural for a woman, a woman to write such a witty 
uh, book and to use her brain in that fashion. So like the monster in her story, Mary Shelley had no name of her own in which to address the world with her creation. In this case, it was a novel. So like the creator or the creature in her tale, I should say, she had, uh, who had been pieced together with, with uh, parts or cadavers that the doctor, um, Victor Frankenstein had collected her identity her name was a collection of parts, not her own. Like her mother, the feminist Mary Wollstonecraft had taken on her father's name, the philosopher William Goodwin, or Godwin. And her identity or place in the world was only a reflection of her own husband's name, the poet Percy Shelley. So when she was Mary Wollstonecraft uh, Godwin Shelley. The sum, her name was the sum of her relations, built and sustained by the men in her family, with no legacy of her mother, but was given life through her affiliation of those in power. in this case, namely her husband. So Frankenstein's creation is monstrous because it, ha it has no power. It's disconnected from an integrated organic system of community and family and culture. So it is given all the traits but excluded at the same time and the feminine and the masculine, not just as gross physical parts of the body or brain, but also as an intellect and an emotion and a spirit, and of course, a love and nurturance itself. And in the story, the doctor's creation eventually ends up killing all those he loves, and he's helpless to stop it. And ironically, as he abandons it, and refuses to care for it after he creates it, he ultimately refuses to take responsibility for what he made. So the question, as I thought of this story as a metaphor for the ego, that part of our mind that is unconscious of its own role in creation what would happen? What, what kind of creations could we create if we had a more balanced representation of reality and our place in it that allowed for the full spectrum of our own humanity? And how would that show up in a healthy expression in our nervous system and in our brain in harmony with all aspects of itself? not just the materialistic or objective view that we've been given by science. And while science is a very useful tool, more than ever, science has constructed a worldview that teaches us to identify 
ourselves strictly through the material world, our gross experience of what's visible or measurable, which creates an imbalance not only in our worldview, but how that gets expressed out into the world and then how that's embodied in our nervous system and ultimately our health. And I'm sure you will agree that many of the most important aspects of life are immeasurable, yet essential to our health and wholeness and balance, like love, for example. As Patanjali explained in the Yoga Sutras, the term yoga means to integrate the body, the mind, and the soul with the field of the observer, consciousness, or source itself. And that's what the word yoga means, to create union or to unite. And I present this vocabulary of yoga because it is the most inclusive humanizing philosophy and practice I've found personally. Because it doesn't attempt to cut humans up into parts like Dr. Frankenstein does, or he did in the fictional story because it's unnatural and when he does his creation ends up terrifying him because it's not viable and yet at the same time he can't seem to make the connection between his actions and what he creates because there's a level of unconsciousness this is the path literally United Life Force itself is the truth and the way. When we allow ourselves to inhabit the intelligence of this unity, this one principle that is not separate, but we must welcome all parts of ourselves before unity will be seen outside of us, before we can become the embodiment of this life principle or natural energy which has been called many names by many people, for example, prana, psyche, spirit, chi, breath, life force, vitality. Anyways, you get the idea. And the word yoga describes a practice of being whole, balanced and in harmony in the body, the mind and the soul, all different vibrational expressions of this life principle. This Trinity principle or blueprint crosses over many or most of the world traditions in one way or the next because it reflects the true nature of our organic well-being from within and not an artifice that was created by a value system where we allowed ourselves to be informed or created from without. It's a remembering or a rediscovery, I should say, of all the parts we've been separated from as a product of misidentification or the lie of you are separate from your birthright. You are separate from the benevolence of life itself, which of course is a logical impossibility. And as this old world begins and continues to disintegrate and the new world continues to be born, you know there, there will be birthing pains. 
and we will see the continued fear and grasping of this old world, the familiar, albeit not necessarily comfortable or expansive. And as this occurs, this means if you are to thrive, if I am to thrive, we must find peace in the eye of the storm and focus on what we do want to create as we surrender this seemingly safe containment and face the risk of stepping into the new frontier unprotected with the comforts of this constructed constructed social mask called the ego which has caused us to show up as beggars and thieves of what is already ours And we will receive and finally experience the world without this security blanket that we were sold and that we were told that we needed to protect ourselves from ourselves. While it's really been keeping us disconnected from the depth of our own humanity. And so, if you're like me, you may agree that it's time it's time for us to begin to recognize our disconnection, the dysfunction in which we've been trying to function in and embrace a new way that will allow us to step into another expression, a more fitting expression of our humanity. And I think I'll leave it there for now. Again, I want to thank you so much for stopping by and joining me today. As always, I'm always interested to read comments, hear your reflections, or answer any questions you might have. If you're interested in finding out more about the kind of I, kind of work I do as an integrative awareness coach, please check out my website at www.mindheart-space.com. And on my homepage, you'll find a Calendly link where you can actually uh, schedule a 20-minute free chat with me where you can find out how I might be able to serve you and support you in living in, living in uh, full alignment with what you value. All right. Um, until next time, please remember what a valuable treasure you are. And, oh, I just want to, I just remembered, um, I'm also um, going to be leading a three-part workshop coming up on September the 15th, which is next Wednesday. And it's going to be three consecutive Wednesdays, um, three 90-minute workshops. And we're going to be looking at the construction of consciousness and how it's related to self-awareness and um the architecture of the nervous system and how understanding um, our hardware and our software we can become more empowered creators in order to create the world that we really want to see. I will put the link uh, for the registration um, also in the description of this podcast. All right, bye for now.